This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is how to invest when markets are high. Now, I'm really excited um, today to share with you a new person who you're going to be hearing on our radio show, and I want to welcome Julie Chadwick. Julie has joined our Stirk Financial Office as a financial advisor, and we are very excited to have you. Welcome, Julie. Thanks, Mary. Very excited to be here. So Julie has a background in retirement planning and investment, so tell us a little bit about your background, Julie. Well, I'm a lifelong resident of Siouxland. Um when I started my career in the finance world back in 2002, I witnessed several historic markets up and down. Oh, I bet you did. <laughs> so it was uh, kind of interesting. I was kind of thinking, what did I get myself into? Um, but I learned very quickly how important it was um, to make sure you had a financial plan in place. There you go. Well, that, as you can probably imagine, is why Julie's a great fit for our office. So welcome, Julie, and we're excited to have you as one of our new radio personalities on our show. Thanks a lot. So um, let's jump into our topic today. So a lot of people ask, well, should I be investing because the market is so high? And and that's a very good question, right? Because the whole idea that people have grown up or had drummed into their head about investing is that you should be buying low and selling high. So when the market's high or when we have phenomenons like we have right now where we're 10 years into a bull market, we have record highs happening in the market, seems like every few days, then people really wonder, well, how in the world can you invest at this point? And what are some of the strategies that you can be using to try to make sure that this is a good time to do it and that you should be putting money into the market versus just waiting it out until a correction does happen? So I imagine you're getting questions like that every day, Julie. Absolutely. From, you know, all walks of life. So there's an old saying on Wall Street um, that the market is driven by two emotions, fear and greed. Yeah. And so <laughs> everyone's always heard, you know, the discipline of, you know, buy low, sell high. Yep. Or is it buy high, sell low? Well, no, that's what we do, but we're not supposed to do. That's so right. Exactly. That's kind of what we run into. Yep. And so the thing about it is that most people make decisions about investing with their emotions. And when you make an emotional decision about investing, pretty much most of the time you're probably making the wrong decision. And so like if you're going to utilize emotions in your investing decision, then my suggestion would be that you figure out what your emotion is telling you to do and then do the exact opposite thing. <laughs> Because your fear will tell you to sell at the wrong time. Your greed will tell you to buy at the wrong time. And as Julie just said, those are the two most common mistakes that people make. But they're the biggest drivers of what people do unchecked when they're making investment decisions. That's the biggest pitfall usually is the emotions. So sticking to a plan or having disciplines in place is the key to being a successful investor. Right. So let's talk about that for just a second. What I mean by that it's making you buy and sell at the wrong time is this. Fear enters the picture when markets are falling. And when markets are falling, your fear will tell you that that's the time to sell before you lose any more. And the truth of strong investments, if we look at history, Selling during a falling market is usually the wrong time to sell, right? 
Now, the other thing is that greed will tell you that you should just be throwing money into the market when it's high because everybody's making money. Everything's going up. And greed will tell you that this is going to happen forever. Like, of course, this is just going to keep happening. The market keeps going up and up and up. I want to be a part of this. I want some of that. And so people get greedy and they put way more money at risk than they should. So they're buying into the market at the wrong time. So those are the two things that you really want to avoid. Now, where we see this happening the most is that people make the mistake of changing their risk level that they're willing to take because of those emotions. So Julie, I'm sure you've had this happen where people will say towards the top of the market, well, shouldn't I be a little bit riskier right now? Shouldn't I take a little bit more risk? <laughs> they say, what is it going to hurt? I can, put a, I can put a little more in there. Yep. And then I come back and I remind them, what we talked about, what their plans were, that they do want to retire someday, <laughs> and that, you know, the keys to making good sound decisions are taking the emotions out of it, sticking to the plan. Right. So your risk tolerance level or the amount of risk that you're willing to take during any particular investment cycle in your life shouldn't have anything to do with where the market is. Your risk level should have to do with your own personal feelings about how you feel about making money and losing money over the long term, not where the market is today. And it should also have to do with how long it's going to be until you actually need to utilize that money. So what not to do when markets are high is change your risk tolerance level because you're afraid you're missing out or you get certain that you can't lose. Okay. We saw people changing their risk levels really frequently back in 2007, right before the big crash happened in 2008. And let me tell you, those people were the sorriest people because they, they wish they wouldn't have done that. And we're starting to see that mentality happen again now because we've been in such an extended up cycle with big increases here in the last year to year and a half. And a lot of people forget um, the pain that they experienced back in 2007, 2008, because it was yep. a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So our job is to help remind them of that, remind them what they went through and how long it took to get back. Um, usually that that will trigger the memory and trigger the pain. <laughs> Not <laughs> that we're happened. trying to trigger your right. pain, but you but might be okay to do that in this situation. Just to let them know that we don't want to do that again. Right. All right. So buying low and selling high starts to feel a little bit tough in these markets. And part of the reason is because you only are ever going to know if you bought low in retrospect, right? Only if you look backwards after you see how things have done, are you going to know if you bought in at exactly the right time? So there's a few different strategies of what people can do to try to invest their money in such a way that makes sense in a market like this. And the first one is called dollar cost averaging. So Julie, share with us a little bit about what that means and how it works. Dollar cost averaging is simply investing a set amount at regular intervals over time. So it can help take the emotion out of investing, which is what we were talking about. It compels um, you to continue investing the same amount um, at the same time, regardless of the market fluctuations. So what that does for you is it lets you participate when the markets are good and, you know, you get the mm -hmm. benefit of the up markets. It also limits you on the downside when the markets aren't so bad. 
So let's give a like a real world example of that. So let's say that you had $120,000 that you wanted to invest. Then dollar cost averaging over the course of 12 months would mean that every single month on the first of the month, you would invest $10,000. And at the end of a year, that $120,000 would have been fully invested into the market. Now, if the market's going up, then every time you've put your $10,000 in there, what's already in there is participating in the increases, right? So you're making money with some of your money. But if the market starts to go down, then every time that you're putting your money in, you're buying those shares at a lower and lower price, and we're right back to buy low, sell high. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So people start to get worried when the market's dropping, especially if they're buying, like, should I keep buying? And my answer is, yes. That's when we're supposed to. (laughs) That's That's right. That's exactly when we're supposed to. When you feel like you want to stop doing it is probably the time that you should. So just like you said at the beginning, whatever your emotion is telling you, go the opposite way. There you go. (laughs) Most people do this. Most people um, are dollar cost averaging and don't even know it. Like when they're participating in their 401ks. Right. Yeah. That's a Mm -hmm. good example of it. Or a lot of times when people are contributing to maybe um, even like their children's 529s or Roth IRAs, something like that, when you set up a systematic investment. Yep. That's a very good point. All right. Another way that you can make sure that you're investing at the right time is to make sure that you are always focusing on the right fundamentals. And there are there's a difference between what fundamental metrics are with investing and with what's called tactical metrics. So fundamentals really go back to the strength of the actual company. So let's say you're going to buy a stock. The fundamentals of a stock are going to have everything to do with the actual money that that company is making, the amount of profit that it has, and things like that. And so when it comes to fundamentals, there's a handful of fundamentals that we think are the most important. In fact, We think they're so important that we hired a chartered financial analyst to create a stock algorithm for us that we utilize in real time to plug in the the stock and then to immediately look at all these different fundamental metrics as well as some tactical ones to give us a score internally at Stirk Financial Services about whether or not we think a stock is a buy, a sell, or a hold right now. So it's a great guide that we built to be able to utilize when we're working with people and things like that. So first of all, if you're interested in having us work with you to analyze the stocks you have by using this special algorithm that we built, then you can reach out and give Julie or I a call and we can take a look at your portfolio and help you understand that. Or if you're thinking about investing money, then that's a great way to um, kind of sort things out and see if it's a, a good stock to buy. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about how to invest when markets are high. So we've spent some time talking about how your risk tolerance level should not change depending on where the market is, that your risk tolerance level is driven by other factors. But a common mistake that people make is changing it when we see extreme high or low markets. Now we're going to talk a little bit about some of the particular fundamentals that we think are important to look for to figure out if stocks that you want to buy might still be a good thing to get into now or whether they really don't have the right criteria when we've been so far into this bull market. So Julie, in our algorithm, how many fundamental metrics are there? 
There's six different fundamentals that we focus on. Yeah. And so what we've done in this algorithm is we've created a point system and we've assigned thresholds to actually 11 categories, but six of them are fundamentals and four of them are tactical, which we're really not going to talk too much about today. And then we also can have an extra point definer if a stock has a dividend. And the reason that we set it up that way is because not all stocks are designed to actually pay dividends. So we don't want to negatively impact a stock if it's not going to pay a dividend, but we want to reward the ones that are, right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. So of the fundamental metrics, when you're trying to figure out what's a good thing to invest in during a high market, what we think that maybe the six most important fundamentals are is this. We want to look at the P.E. ratio. And the forward price to earnings ratio is what we think is actually the most important because that illustrates how much the market is paying for the earnings the company is planning to get. Now, I know that sounds like a mouthful, but if you like to buy stocks, this is the type of thing that you really should be focusing on is what's the market willing to bear for that? Another thing that we look at is price to earnings growth. And price to earnings growth really just quantifies the price that the market has placed on that earnings growth. So forward price to earnings ratio is one thing, but the peg, the price to earnings growth itself is a totally different thing that you're trying to measure inside of there. All right, the third thing that we look at is price to book value. And price to book value, it's called P slash B. That's what you might see out there on like a, a financial site or something like that. The price to book value is a ratio that represents the value of the firm. So lower price to book value indicates a better value of the stock. And that's what people are willing to actually pay for the underlying assets of the firm. Now, I might have already just gotten way more technical than people listening want to go into. But the truth is, if you're going to buy stocks, these are the things you should be thinking about. That's the benefit of being able to come in and talk to us because we do the research. We delve in deeper um, more so than, hey, I like coffee. I think I should buy Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, uh, it, it, it's the discipline that we implement helps you make a good decision. They might sell great coffee, but they might not... You know, run a great business. Yeah, yeah, run a great business. So mm -hmm. we're going to look deeper into those things to help you make a better investment choice. So another metric that we look at from a fundamentals point of view is the debt to equity ratio. So the debt to equity ratio is basically looking at the financial health of a company by measuring the debt relative to the equity that the company has. So I think that's important because if you know, liken that to your own personal situation, you know that the higher amount of debt you have, the less stable you are. That's no different. <laughs> if you were a company. Exactly. Right? It works the exact same way. Yep, very much so. So that's definitely a metric that we pay attention to. We also look at something called price to forward cash flow. So price to forward cash flow measures how the market's valuing the cash flow of the firm. So some firms have much healthier levels of cash flow and some firms have much less levels of cash flow. That sort of interplays with that debt to equity ratio that we were just talking about, right? So if you have excess cash flow, then that company is going to be able to decide, do they want to reinvest in infrastructure? Do they want to hire? Do they want to grow? Or are they going to distribute it as profit to their shareholders? So the cash flow is kind of an important piece when you're looking at a company, I would say. Absolutely. That helps us determine, too, whether um, that's going to be a plus or a minus. Yep. Yep. Okay. So the last fundamental metric that I want to talk about 
is the operating margin. So you also can loosely define the operating margin as the profit after the operational expenses are deducted from their gross sales. So loosely determine, you know, define that's the profit margin. Now, what shocks me is that when people are buying stocks, they most of the time don't even look at that, right? It's crazy that that's not something that people all of the time are even taking into consideration. So when I hear people talking about stocks, a lot of times they'll go out to like a Google Finance or Yahoo Finance and they'll look up the stock and they'll look at, oh, is it near its 52-week high or low? And that's the only thing they look at. Yes. <laughs> or if they're a little bit more technical, they look at the P.E. ratio, that price-to-earnings ratio, and they'll have figured out that a lower ratio is a little bit better. But that's, generally speaking, the depth that people go to. And if you noticed, I didn't use the 52-week high at all in any of these mm-hmm. fundamentals. <laughs> Because that number really doesn't matter to me in terms of whether a stock is at a a buy or a sell or a hold level. What matters to me is the financial health of the company. And you can't tell anything about the financial health of the company by looking at the 52-week high. Right. Something big might be happening in that company. Something might be forecasting that uh, isn't reflected in that 52-week high. By knowing that and looking deeper into it, that's going to change our decision. Yep, absolutely. So as I said earlier, you know, if you have a portfolio of stocks and you're interested in having us review them, you can reach out and set up a time with Julie or I to look at them and um, bring them in. Our, the first time we meet with somebody is always at no charge. So we don't charge a fee at all to visit with somebody about what they're looking for. Now, depending on the complexity of your situation, we'll discuss with you whether or not there will be a fee for us to take a look at things or if it's something that we can easily do right there in the first meeting. But it's a really good idea right now, especially with the markets where they are, to get a second look at those stocks that you're holding and understand how the fundamentals look in this current stock environment. All right, the next thing that I wanna talk about is when the market's so, so high, what makes sense to do from the standpoint of potentially sweeping some of your profits? Right, so sweeping the profits, what does that mean? Well, I'm gonna give you a little analogy first. I am a farm girl, grew up on a rural farm in (laughs) Nebraska. Another farm girl on a show. (laughs) Know a little bit about that, so. I think you've all probably heard, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. (laughs) What the heck does that mean? Well, basically it correlates to being greedy is good, but not too greedy. Otherwise you get in trouble. So the pigs get fed, but if you feed them too much, keeps going, then they're going to go to slaughter. You're going to lose it all. (laughs) So be a pig and not a hog (laughs) is what you're saying. Exactly. (laughs) So there's, and really the bottom line is, you want to make sure that you're you're taking care of your profits. You're taking care of your profits. So when the market is up, that first of all, like we said earlier, is you got to stick to your disciplines. Um, the tendency most investors um, believe when things are moving in their favor that the profits are limitless. Right, and that's for sure not true. Right, then they tend to ignore their risk tolerance, their disciplines. By being taking care and sweeping the profits, you're simply making sure that you're sticking to your discipline, you're going to keep some of that capital and you're going to realize that. So when markets do change or everything else, 
you've realized some of that and you've kept the earnings. So here's a couple of things to think about in terms of sweeping your profits. One way to sweep your profits is to do something called rebalancing your portfolio. So if you have a risk level, let me use an example. Let's say you've decided ahead of time that you want 60% of your portfolio in equities or stock-related investments, and you want 40% in something more conservative like bond-related investments. Okay. When we have a market cycle like we've had, then what happens is the stock portion of your portfolio has grown rapidly. Rapidly. And now instead of being 60% of your portfolio, it might be closer to 70% of your portfolio. So now your risk level has fundamentally changed because you're at a 70-30 mix instead. So rebalancing your portfolio means strategically and at specific times going back to the 60-40 mix. So it's taking those profits that the stocks have made and then moving them back over to the conservative side. So what happens is whenever a market correction happens, and it's going to happen, we just don't know when, market corrections always follow market ups. But whenever a market correction happens, if you're rebalancing or if you're sweeping your profits like Julie was just talking about, then you don't have way more of your money at risk than you intended to. So the casino might be the place where you let your profits ride. <laughs> but your retirement portfolio is not the place to do that. <laughs> so you got to set your limits. You got to stick to them. Rebalancing, again, it's a, it's a systematic system that's in place to, again, remove that emotion. Right. And if you don't have rebalancing in place, it's something that you manually have to do. So that's a good time to take a look at your overall portfolio and try to determine, well, what do I have in stocks? What do I have in bonds? You know, where's my risk level? And if it started to get outside of the boundaries of what you normally said, then that's a good time for you to manually do it if you don't have a rebalancing strategy in play. All right. The last thing I just want to make mention of quickly is I'm always a fan in high markets like this of keeping some cash on the sidelines. Now, I'm not talking a huge amount, but keeping a little cash on the sidelines allows you to strategically buy when you think the time is right. And when's the time going to be right? Exactly when you feel like it's wrong. <laughs> so whenever there's a correction, you have to be brave with the money that you have on the sidelines and go ahead and go in at a point that you've already determined is the right time to do it. So keeping some cash on the sidelines is actually an effective strategy in high markets like this. Yep, you're missing out on the growth right now with it, but it's a it's a great strategy for the future and the future at some point is going to include a correction. Exactly. And there's also, there's different things that you can do with that cash in the sideline, you know, when you decide you want to get in, you can put limits or stops or certain things mm -hmm. on different orders that's going to help you, you know, not buy it too high and not sell it too low. There you go. So hopefully you've learned a few little tips and tricks about how to invest when the markets are high. And welcome again, Julie. We're glad that you're joining the show. And thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. Views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605 205-2.
217-3555.